0: G'day, welcome back. Darren Mitchell here coming to you live from the Masson Rangers, Ranges, very cold Masson Rangers, Ranges on Friday the 7th of July, 2023. You're listening to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. So grateful for you dropping by. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Thanks for coming back. And uh, I trust that I continue to provide value in your quest to become an exceptional sales leader. And of course, if you are a brand new follower, if you're a brand new listener, if you just come across the podcast, hey, welcome aboard hopefully what i talk about today is going to be enough to first of all give you some value in your own quest to become an exceptional sales leader and hopefully move your team forward as well for them to become exceptional as well but also hopefully, there's enough there to uh, want to come back and listen to some more either the future episodes or please check out the back catalogue today is episode 595 so uh, there's lots and lots of topics to get your teeth stuck into so uh, my goal is to help as many sales leaders as possible around the world to become exceptional as quickly as possible, but uh, not fly by night. Uh, We want to make sure that success is sustainable, but it is also replicable. So um, we're we're all about doing that at the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. So as we round out the week, I wanted to talk about a topic that is uh, very pertinent right now. There's been a number of conversations I've been having over the last couple of weeks uh, with both groups and also individuals and been running a number of workshops which includes this particular topic. So I wanted to talk about sales objections and the fact that sales objections are actually good for business. Now for many people, uh, when you hear that, what do you mean sales objections good for business? Well, stick with me because they are, um, and I've got a a very specific view on sales objections, which um, unfortunately is not necessarily commonplace around the industry, around the world. Uh, but I think it's, it's, I, don't, I don't shy away from objections. I think objections are just a part of business. And as, we'll, as you'll hear as I talk through this particular episode, uh, too many people out there uh, either advise sales teams or they advise sales people to work on a way to overcome as many objections as you possibly can. And that's the first flaw in the whole strategy. And I do something completely different. I actually embrace sales objections. I don't necessarily expect them, and it's not like I'm going searching for them because as we always know, where you put your energy is where your focus is gonna go, and if you look for challenges, you're gonna find them, but it's just a part of doing business that you're gonna have people who don't necessarily agree with you. You may have some people who might not have enough information yet to make an educated purchasing decision, and whether you wanna call that an objection or whether you wanna call that a level of uncertainty. It is still an objection. So when I talk to people around this, and I ask people, "Hey, do you like do you like objections? What's the biggest objection you get?" I well, get the uh, get the standard responses. Oh, my customers are always saying we're too expensive, or they're trying to haggle on price, or uh, they don't like the product features, or the after sale service. There's all of these quote unquote excuses that customers throw at us, and I ask the question. So why don't you like why don't you like objections? Because uh, look, like most people, salespeople are creatures of habit and I'm sure that if we had an opportunity to have a, a really straight line towards, um, towards success and getting deals done, we think it's pretty easy, we've got a great product, uh, we put that product out in the marketplace and as long as we can retrofit that product to the marketplace, customers will be falling all over themselves to purchase that product. Now, we know that every now and then you can catch lightning in a bottle where that just happens to be a person at the right place at the right time, and you just happen to have the perfect solution at that right time, and magic happens, and the stars align, and there's no objections. And that's an easy sale, but it's also a very unusual sale in terms of it's not necessarily the commonplace. So it happens every now and then, and hence why the reference to catching lightning in a bottle. The vast majority of sales takes work, and it takes a series of conversations, it takes a series of interactions, it takes a series of uh, maybe changing proposals and elements of proposals, lots of different meetings to eventually get to a final solution. So why is it that salespeople don't like objections? Well, first of all, they like the easy road. And second of all, the vast majority of them see them as a form of rejection. And if you like most salespeople, uh, whether you've been in sales for five minutes or for 15 years, most salespeople do not like rejection. They want to uh, avoid rejection And so as a way of doing that, they go straight into the uh, product features and benefits statements or they pummel the customer with information. They go straight into the product wizardry or the sleight of hand type techniques. In other words, they do talking, talking, talking. They go straight into solution mode. And guess what happens? When they do that, they get more and more rejection. So customers will continue to put the barriers up. Because the salesperson is going straight into solution mode and almost going into convincing mode, which, by the way, is where a lot of the salespeople get their reputation from as being the pushy salesperson. And that's why customers have this almost psychological but physiological response to being told what to do. They put up the barriers and therefore they start to reject it and they start to object to what is being presented to them. So I look at it in a completely different way. I, I believe and firmly believe that, okay, there's going to be customers out there that will have a match to the service that you have to provide or the solution you've got to provide. But it stands to reason that the first the first responsibility of a salesperson, and this is really important for a sales leader as well, overseeing a sales team who has got, uh, whether it be a fantastic product, whether it be a, a product that is not uh, top of the market, whether it's something you're trying to penetrate a market. It is not about your product, and you've gotta realize first and foremost that your customers are not interested in your product. They're not going out looking at Google, searching for your particular product. What they're looking for is to figure out is there anybody else in the marketplace who is having or experiencing a problem similar to mine, and is there anybody who's have potentially found a solution to the problem? So what they're looking for is a solution to a problem. Our role as a salesperson Is to figure out does this customer have a problem first and foremost? And second of all, do they want to actually solve that problem? Now we can take a lot of objections completely off the table if we spend most of our time asking questions and being curious and inquisitive about the customer and what their needs are, rather than talking about the products and the benefits and the features of our product. Is it any wonder why customers uh, to put up their barriers and say, nah, not interested, too expensive, or any other delaying tactic they can use to try and get the, get the salesperson off the scent or off the, off the hunt. Now, as a salesperson, if we can do something completely different, if we can realize that, hey, my job is not to flog a product, and this is unfortunately what a lot of salespeople are conditioned to believe because their organizations keep infiltrating their brains with information about how good their own products are, and yes, you've got to believe in your product, You've got to believe you've got something to offer the marketplace, so let's just put that on the table and just put it to the side for one second. You do have to have belief in your product, and you do have to have a good product, because good products provide solutions to problems, and that's why companies are sustainable. Where I have a real problem with this, though, is where sales organizations, and particularly sales teams, believe that their product is better than anybody else's, and they will do whatever they possibly can to convince a customer as to why their product is better than somebody else's. Now, one of the challenges I often give sales teams when I'm training them is I want to issue a sales challenge to each and every salesperson in that particular training course that for the next one to two weeks, every single sales call they make, I want them to resist the temptation of talking about their product. Now, if you said that to a salesperson, if you're sitting there as a salesperson or even as a sales leader, they're sitting and thinking, "Wow, if I'm not going to be talking about my product, what the hell am I going to be talking about? Interesting question. Because if you think about it, where most uh, objections come from is from the salesperson or the sales leader with the salesperson talking far too much about themselves and about their company, about their product, and not enough about your customer and their problem and what they're trying to solve. Your product is not important. Your customer doesn't want it. So if you find yourself getting lots and lots of objections, just have a good look at yourself in terms of, yeah, have a good hard look at yourself. And have a look at what are you having conversations about? What are you actually leading with? What sort of documentation are you providing? And if you're providing lots and lots of brochureware, lots and lots of, lots of um, case studies, lots and lots of you know capability statements, and in your capability statements, it mentions your company 451 times, and it doesn't mention any anything about a customer, then you're going to get what you deserve, and that is you're probably not going to get the result. If, however, we spend most of our time asking questions, identifying, qualifying, discovering whether there's something that the customer needs to solve, it actually starts to naturally reduce the number of objections you're going to get. And the fascinating thing about this is when I talk to teams about this, they nod their heads in absolute 100% agreement. And they say, yeah, that makes absolute sense. And then when I watch them, then when I get them to do uh, role plays or simulations, and I throw objections at them, what do they do? They go straight back into solution mode, into product mode. So when we think about this, and I'm going to share with you a very simple four-step formula to handle objections that if we can approach this with the right intention, and that is to help solve a problem that a customer has, then it's nothing that needs to be um, concerning. It nothing. There's nothing that you have to overcome. And you've also got to, and I talk about this a lot, you've got to remove yourself from any pressure of having to get a perfect outcome. The outcome will be the outcome. My job is to actually articulate that problem better than the customer can and to figure out whether that customer wants to solve the problem. If they do, then I'll be doing them a disservice if it didn't provide, a, a, I guess, an opportunity for them to purchase. But whether they end up purchasing or not, that's entirely up to them. I just have to handle any questions they might have or remove and help them remove any blockages they might have from their ability to make that informed purchasing decision. And if that happens, hey, sales becomes relatively easy. Not simple, but relatively easy. So when we think about it, why do objections actually occur? Well, we've talked a lot about this already. A lot of it's come down to that's just, just the convincing factor that the salesperson wants to use the sleight of hand and bombard them with all this great information about their product and their service, which by the way, the customer doesn't care. But you've also got situations where your customers might be skeptic. They might have a level of skepticism around the product or the service. You might be a little bit of an unknown in, in the marketplace. You might have um, come in, the customer you're talking to might have actually been a, a cold lead or a cold call. Um, so there's a level of skepticism there. So that's one reason why they might give you an objection. The other one is there might be some misunderstanding or there might be some miscommunication. So when we talk about end up talking about a product or a particular solution, if we haven't uh, articulated the problem or understood the problem well enough, we might actually be going down a rabbit hole and providing a solution to a problem that's actually not the real problem and therefore the customer has a little bit of confusion and a confused mind will never ever buy. We have to provide absolute crystal clear clarity for a customer to feel comfortable making a purchasing decision. And the third reason that objections, of course, uh, take place is often there's a stalling tactic. And the one thing about this is, and there's a lot of pressure on sales teams and salespeople to try and close as many deals about getting it in by the end of the week or getting this sale done by the end of the month or what's the commit going to be for this particular quarter. There are customers out there that just need time to actually consider the options and to make what they consider to be an informed decisions. So they will use stalling tactics. Now this is not something that we have to use and and do all these multiple different closes and you hear the ABC always be closing type of methodology that's often talked about in sales circles and a lot of sales trainers actually use this which I don't subscribe to. Um, But there will be some customers out there that will stall. Now this means that you've got to understand your customer very, very intimately in terms of what motivates them and what makes them tick. If you've got somebody who is a multi-time convincer or a length-of-time convincer, there's no way you're going to get a decision from them on the first, second, or third call. It's going to take time. You've got to continue to add value so that they are feeling as if they're making the purchasing decision without being pressurized, but think about what you can provide in terms of constant information uh, and be there and be present with them so that they feel comfortable that they're not being pushed. So there are three key reasons, skepticism, misunderstanding, or miscommunication, and also Stalling. So irrespective of of what type of objection that I get, I actually embrace that as an opportunity to educate the customer and not something that has to be overcome. And this is why I say sales objections are actually good for business because if, if a customer puts up some form of objection, they're actually indicating to me that there is a level of interest there. They just don't have enough information yet in order to make an informed, educated purchasing decision. If they didn't care, they wouldn't have actually put any objection out in the first place, and you'd probably get silence, or you'd get nothing, or they just simply say no. So when they have an objection, it mean, means that, hey, we're making progress, and we might actually get to an outcome, but my job is to now to verify, is the objection that they have, is the thing they're putting in places in terms of a, a challenge or a blockage or an obstacle, is that the real one, or is there something behind that they that need to identify? And this is why I teach sales teams all the time. That there is nothing that needs to be overcome. There is something simply that you need to handle that perhaps you haven't uncovered yet in your sales cycle or in the customer's buying and purchasing cycle. So um, this particular four-step process is a very simple one. Uh, and as always, things that are very easy to implement are also quite easy to not implement, but it is a very effective four-step process that I teach all the time, and it comes from uh, Comes from my time at Rojan SI, a fantastic organization, and we taught this all the time for sales teams, but also for teams that don't necessarily sell stuff, but it's a great problem, problem solving or articulation or root cause analysis type process as well, that if you're in operational type roles as well, it's a very good opportunity to try and get to the bottom of what is the actual challenge or actual problem that might stop us from going forward. So I'm gonna take you through an acronym known as APAC, A-P-A-C, and it's a fantastic tool, very practical tool, to enable sales teams, salespeople, sales leaders, but also non-salespeople to handle effectively, in most cases, uh, objections that are thrown out to you. So the A in APAC stands for acknowledgement. And what's really interesting about this is when salespeople receive an objection, the vast majority of them always have, or almost have, shouldn't say always, because not everybody does this, but the vast majority of them seem to go straight into either attack mode or defensive mode. So when an objection gets thrown out, such as the classic one, or oh, this pricing is simply too expensive, is not what I wanted to pay. Uh, often what a salesperson will do is say something along the lines of, well, if we can, uh, if we can knock 5% off, or if I can go back and get some uh, additional discounts, how will that sound? So the moment we do that, uh, we're basically falling into the hands of the customer or the prospective customer, and the power base tends to change because what it's telling the customer, either directly or even unconsciously, is if I put up an objection such as you're too expensive, what I'm gonna see is a response from the salesperson who may be appearing desperate by offering me further discounts, which might say to me, hmm, maybe they are too expensive, maybe they do have a lot more room to move, maybe I've been asking uh, not high enough in terms of discounts, so let's go further, so I'll keep doing it. So we need to resist the temptation to go straight into solution modes, and this is why the A and a pack is such an important thing, and the A stands for acknowledge. Now, when, when I say to salespeople, hey, when you get an objection from the customer, turn around and thank them for it. Now, you don't have to thank; and you've got to be genuine with this. It's not about saying, oh, thank you for that objection. I really appreciate it. But what the acknowledgement does, it enables you to acknowledge the fact that they've got a challenge or they've asked a question. Or you won't necessarily use the term, thank you for your objection. But you're literally saying to them, hey, I really appreciate you sharing that. Because uh, what that does, it gives you a little bit of time to start thinking about, all right, is this a real or potential real objection or is there something underneath the surface? So it gives you a little bit of breathing space to to think about what is the best course of action to take from here. So the first step is to acknowledge it. Now, resist the temptation to go straight into solution mode because what I've got to do as a good salesperson is I've got to actually qualify as to whether this objection that's been thrown out is real Or whether it's a bit of a furphy, because sometimes they'll throw things out just as a deflection tactic, just to see what happens. And so I've got to actually not fall for the three card trick and go straight into that solution mode, because that means that the customer is now going to be in control of the situation and certainly the buying conditions. So I'm going to say thank you for sharing that, greatly appreciate it. Do you mind if I ask you a few questions? Now that leads into the second part of APAC, which is P, where I'm going to start to probe. Now, the purpose of probing is to really find out whether the Uh, whether the objection that's been thrown out, is that real? So I'll be listening to not just the words that people speak, but I'll be listening to voice tone. I'll be looking at them in terms of is their physiology, is their body language consistent with the language or is there something that maybe is a bit of a mismatch? So the probing part is enabling me to understand, okay, is this real? So I'm going to be asking questions. I'm going to be asking clarifying questions. I'll be asking open-ended questions. I'll be getting the customer to go into specifics and I'll be paraphrasing back to check for understanding because I need to understand and I need to try and identify what is the real problem that is being uh, that is being brought to the surface that is preventing this customer from feeling comfortable to move forward. Now, it's not about me flogging that product. It's simply they have a problem. If they've got an objection, maybe the problem is not the real problem. So I've got to try and identify that and that is what probing is all about. It is literally a root cause analysis. And this is not about flogging my product. It is not about using all the features and benefits. It's simply trying to be inquisitive and understand, do I have the right problem or is there another problem that I need to be focused on? So if I do that really well, I should be able to identify what is the actual challenge. Once I've decided, and once I'm comfortable that I think I've identified the real problem, I can then go to the third letter in APAC, which is A, and I can decide whether or not I'm going to answer that particular challenge or answer the objection. And if I do decide to answer the objection, what I'm going to do is answer this with clarity, with certainty, I'm going to be concise and I'm going to be very persuasive, which means I'll be not necessarily bombarding the customer with all of the features of the product or the solution. I'll be actually identifying, first of all, the problem, reinstilling and getting confirmation that that is the problem that they wanted to solve but also targeting the elements of that problem they desperately wanted to solve with the features and the benefits of the solution I'm going to provide. So it's the solution that's a natural consequence that fits like a hand in a glove to the problem they've just told me that they want to solve. Now, if that happens, what should be a consequence is the customer should say, well, fantastic, let's go, let's start moving forward. So the last part of APAC, which is the C, is I've got to confirm, which in other words, I've got to check in to see whether this objection has actually been handled, but I won't necessarily say to the customer, so Mr. Customer, have I overcome or handled your objection? What I will say is, I just wanted to check in, does that answer your question? Does that provide you the information you're looking for in order to move forward and make a decision or something like that? So literally the confirm is to check in to see whether the objection has been handled. And if the answer is yes, fantastic. We can go to the next step and whatever closing methodology you use, and it could be a simply a, a direct close, it could be the assumptive close, whatever the case is that works for you, um, it should mean that you should be able to then close out the sale and get, get moving in the implementation. If, however, um, going through all of that process and that confirmation stage, they turn around and say, well, actually, no, that's not doesn't answer the question, then it simply indicates to me that I haven't identified the real problem and I've got to go back into probe Another time and start asking more questions to try and identify the true underlying root cause of what's stopping this customer from making an informed purchasing decision. Then I'll follow the P again, go through A, the answer, B, persuasive, and then I'll confirm it again. If they say no again for the second time, I'm not going to go back because I don't want to continue to go around in circles because it may well be that this customer is just a tie kicker or might be a number of other reasons that is preventing them from moving forward and making a decision, in which case I will time out and I'll come back and maybe we'll reassess the next day or we'll set up another meeting to have another conversation. So this particular system, APAC, APAC, very, very effective. Um, Very effective when it comes to any type of objection, irrespective of the type of objection that you are faced with, because what it does, it forces us to be really curious and ask questions rather than go straight into offensive attack mode to overwhelm the customer with all the product and service stuff. So I trust that message helps. It's a it's a system that I teach all the time. It's a system I use right now for myself as well. And uh, sales teams that are using this are getting fantastic results. So I trust that helps you. I trust that can also help your sales team. So if you would like a bit more information on this, uh, or in fact, if you'd like some assistance in helping you become a, an exceptional sales leader and in the process, maybe even helping your team, extract even more maximum potential out of their capabilities. Love to have a conversation with you about how I might be able to help. Simply go to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time, we'll jump on Zoom, have a conversation about A, where your team are at, what you're looking for your team to achieve, but also in the process where where you're at as a leader, what you're looking to achieve as well because it may well be I might be able to help you fast-track your development. And before you know it, you can become an exceptional sales leader as well. So with that said, thank you very much for plugging into the podcast. I hope you've had a fantastic week and looking forward to a wonderful, wonderful weekend. So enjoy that. And as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best.